Welcome to Vaughn Forest. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name's Adam, one of the pastors here. It's great to see all of you on our campus. Let me welcome everybody joining us online. We are wrapping up a series today, week five, on worship. And we took the title of the series, Then Sings My Soul, from the great hymn, How Great Thou Art. So if you're just jumping in today, um, we're glad you're here. We're honored you're joining us. This really has been one sermon kind of preached over what will now be uh, five weeks. And so if you're just jumping in or if you've missed any of those, uh, let me encourage you to go back. Maybe maybe you had a little free time this week with it being Thanksgiving and uh, catch those messages. So VaughnForest.com, VaughnForest YouTube channel, or we have a Vaughn Forest message um, audio podcast. So you can download that. And then the messages, not the video, but just the content, the audio content will be there uh, for you to listen to. So we've covered a lot of things in this series about worship. Really excited to share uh, the final message in this series today. But I wanted to start kind of where we finished last week with announcing our special Christmas offering. So if you weren't here last week, we talked about our special Christmas offering, what those initiatives are. It was really the entirety of the message. And so I want to encourage you to go back and watch that if you haven't. But just real quick to kind of give you a a little synopsis of what we talked about. Our special Christmas offering this year is called our Now is the Time special Christmas offering. The goal is $200,000. If you're new to Vaughn Forest, let me tell you what this is. Every year from the middle of November to the end of January, we have a special offering. And this is where we call on our entire church family to give above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings sacrificially. It's not about equal giving, but it is about equal sacrifice. And that special offering then goes to some ministry initiatives. So we've got five ministry initiatives in 2023 that I'm really excited about that all of the funds from this offering will go to. So let me kind of hit those for you real quick. Again, in case you missed last week. First of all, now is the time to launch a special needs ministry at Vaughn Forest Church. This is a new ministry that we'll be launching uh, probably towards the end of January, and then that will kind of continue to go moving forward. Let me say something about these initiatives. I'm telling you what they are. Last week in the message, I described why it is that we believe God is calling us to these initiatives. So again, make sure you go back and listen to that if you haven't yet. Here's the second initiative. Now is the time to upgrade some preschool rooms and fourth and fifth grade life group rooms and our next generation ministry environments. Talk last week, our fourth and fifth graders have outgrown their space with their life groups. So we found some other space on our campus. We're going to kind of outfit that and uh, they'll start using that in the next semester, January, February. Number three, now is the time to continue facility improvements and upgrades with technologies. I shared last week, uh, we have recently found out that we are the worship service for a couple of house churches that are happening on other continents. And I can't tell you where, but that's pretty cool. So there's some upgrades we're gonna make with our technology that will allow us to continue just to step through some doors that God has opened for us that we didn't necessarily see coming. So that's exciting. Number four, now is the time to continue to serve the communities of Pike Road and East Montgomery. No strings attached. If you're new to Vaughn Forest, that's kind of the way we say we're here to love you. With the love of Jesus Christ, we don't expect anything in return. This is our immediate mission field, East Montgomery, Pike Road. So we're going to continue to do that to greater degrees in 2023. And then the fifth initiative is to answer our, for such a time as this, call with Roe versus Wade being overturned in our lifetime. So we've already got some uh, life groups and some ministries that focus on ministering to foster parents. We're going to have greater opportunity to do that. There's going to 
going to be some training that will happen on our campus during the month of January, where if you feel like Lord, the Lord's leading you to become foster parents or foster home, you can do that. We're going to talk about adoption. There's just going to be a number of different ways and a number of different ministries that we partner with here in the River Region to let people know that there is a God who loves them and a Savior who paid the price on the cross for them. And so we're going to step into this need uh, with the love of Jesus Christ. And I'm really excited about uh, this offering. I'm really excited about these ministry initiatives. And I'm really excited to see all that God is going to do in 2023. So what's the next step? Just begin to pray. We've got some time between now and the end of January, but just begin to pray how God would have you to be a part of this special offering. All right, let me tell you how we're going to wrap up this series today. Really excited about this. The title of today's message is Worship as All of Life Worship. And we've talked about worship from a number of different perspectives in this series. And I wanted to wrap it up today by talking about how actually all of our life is worship. Now, let me give you the biblical foundation for this principle, and then we're going to spend some time unpacking it, okay? So Romans 12.1, here's what Paul says. Therefore, now that's kind of an interesting word. If you're new to the Bible, anytime you see the word therefore, here's the question asked. What is that therefore, therefore? And it's there to point you back to what's just been said. So here's what's interesting about the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1 through 11, all 11 chapters, gets Paul to this therefore. So he literally takes 11 chapters to set up this verse. Remarkable. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. We talked about sacrifice last week. We talked about what that meant in the Old Testament. And here Paul is giving us this picture. You're actually the sacrifice that we offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So what does it mean to offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God as true and proper worship? There's a translation of the Bible, maybe you've heard of this before, called The Message. So Eugene Peterson wrote this probably about 20, 25 years ago now. He's now with the Lord. And what he was attempting to do was take the original Greek that the New Testament was written in and give us an idea of maybe what that would have felt like, sounded like if we had been alive in the first century, because it was the everyday language of the street, so to speak. It was not the language of the academics or the formal Greek. And so it's not the most precise translation, which is why I don't preach from it. But every now and then I like to go back to it because I think it gives us a good feel, the essence, if you will, of what a verse is particularly saying. And so I like that with this verse. Let me read this verse to you from the message translation. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. I love that. Sometimes we think that worship is when we're doing these really big things for God, or worship is when there's thousands of people doing something for God. And it can be that, but oftentimes, let me tell you what worship is. It's just the everyday, ordinary life. It's just kind of the monotony of life. It's just kind of the routine. It's kind of what you do when you're kind of hoping something big will happen. Isn't it interesting that oftentimes that's when life is actually occurring? And here's what I want you to see. Those are the opportunities that God gives us to worship him. Remarkable. And so what I want to do today is I'm going to talk about that. And we're going to get super practical. So grab your message notes. Let me tell you what we're going to do for the rest of our time. 
top 10 all of life worship practices. I'm fired up. We got a top 10 list today, okay? So you got some message notes there on our campus. Grab those. And if you're joining us online, you can access those right here at vaughnforest.com. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what would it look like if we viewed our everyday, ordinary going and coming and working and living and parenting and marriage and all of the things as an opportunity to actually worship God. And I've got 10. Okay, they're not in any particular order and there's certainly more than 10, but here's the key, they're practices. What does that mean? Actions. See, if you wait until you feel like worshiping God, can I tell you, most days you won't worship God. But if you put into practice what we're gonna talk about, it's interesting, Like as we begin to do things, it's suddenly the emotions start to follow. So I'm giving you 10. Now, I don't think you're going to leave today's message and put all 10 into practice, okay? If you do, that's awesome. But, but what I'm hoping happens is that there's two or three that you hear and go, wait a second. I bet if I begin to put that into practice, it'll help me worship God more with all of my life. And so there's probably going to be more of these that resonate with you based on how God wired you than others, and that's okay. But since we've got 10, we got a lot to cover. So as we go through these, if there's kind of one that stands out, you know, put a, a star or an asterisk or something by it. And then at the end, I'm going to make you review and kind of find the ones that you're going to commit to putting into practice. Okay, so we've got 10 of these. We've got a verse with each of them. Let's go. Here's the first one. First way... First way to put into practice all of life worship is loving God. You're like, really? I didn't need to come to church for you to tell me that loving God is all of life worship. But let's talk about this for a second. How do we know that our love for God is genuine? How do we know that it's coming from a good place? Well, Jesus gave some really practical guidance when he was asked a question about commands and obedience and what that was supposed to look like. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew twenty two thirty seven: Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So let's look at this verse here for a second. Isn't this interesting? Heart, soul, mind. All three of those are things that people can't see. They're not external. So what does it mean to love God as an all of life worship? Here's what it means. It means what's happening from the inside. See, in Jesus' day, there were a lot of people who were consumed with what they were doing on the outside. And so they had the right look, or they had the right image, or they were doing the right things. But here's what Jesus said. You're not loving God from your heart. It's a show. It's an act. It's a game. But isn't that a trap that's easy for us to fall into today? So let me ask you a question. Are you loving God from your heart? Do you love God from your heart? Or is it just kind of an external thing? And we know what that looks like with other relationships in our life, right? I mean, you know when your heart's off a little bit in a, in a marriage or, or with your kids or, or with a friend. And here's what I'm saying. Hey, where's your heart with God? Where's your mind with God? Where's your soul with God? And to the extent that you are connecting with God at a heart level is to the extent that you can worship him in all of life worship. Let me give you the second way that we can worship God, all of life worship, obeying God, obeying God. I have found in my life that when my obedience gets off track, oftentimes that's an indication that my love for God is off track. That obedience flows from love. That if I love God and I'm walking with God and, and my heart is connecting with God, then the desires of my heart actually begin to match up with what he's called me to, obedience. So look at what God's word says about this in 1 John. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. 
The truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. Church, your obedience matters. Your obedience matters. To the degree that we look at God's word and we let God's word shape us, that matters. Are there things in God's word that don't always make sense? Yes. Are there times that obedience is going to be difficult? Absolutely. But when you obey what God says to do, it's worshiping him. And oftentimes, no one's there to give you applause. No one's there to pat you on the back. No one's there to say, hey, great job. You're doing what God's called you to do. But here's what I want you to see. When you're obeying God, God receives that as worship. Our obedience matters. Here's the third way, third practice for all of life worship. Saying no to sin. Third practice. This is a big one. Saying no to sin is all of life worship. So let's see if we're tracking on this. Obedience is when I align myself with what God's word says I should do. Saying no to sin is when I actually do that. God's word says, don't do this. And and, and something is presented in my life. It's an opportunity to do that. And I go, no, I'm not going to do that. And, And my reason for not doing that is because God's word says, don't do that. All of life is an opportunity to sin. Every day you're going to have a great opportunity to sin. And when those opportunities present themselves, you've got to make a decision. Am I going to do what God would have me to do? Or am I just going to follow the ways of the world? Do whatever it is that I want to do. Okay, so look at what God's word says. I think this is helpful guidance. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. When you are tempted and you will be daily, God will provide a way out so that you can endure it. You're, tempt- you're tempted at work. You're, you're tempted online. You're tempted in your everyday living. And when you stare down sin and you say, no, not today. I'm gonna honor God with my life. Holiness matters. Righteousness matters. I'm gonna say no to sin. Can I tell you right now, God receives that as worship. God is pleased. And for some of you over the last 24 to 48 hours, you've done this. You were tempted with something and nobody else even knows about it. And you chose not to do that. And can I tell you that maybe even if you didn't feel like something substantial happened and there was no one there to cheer you on or say great, great job, God, the creator of the universe, who knit you together in your mother's womb, he received that as worship. Holiness matters to God. So when we say no to sin, church, it is all of life worship. Let me give you the fourth practice, all of life worship, trusting God. Trusting God is all of life worship. You don't have to trust God until you can't see God moving in your life. Do you know that? That as long as you can see what God is up to, it doesn't require trust. As long as you can see the evidence of God's hand in your life, you're not really walking by faith. It's when it doesn't make sense that we have to trust God. It's when things aren't adding up that we have to trust God. It's when we can't sense God's presence that we have to keep moving forward and trusting God. And as we do, it's all of life worship. Look at this verse, Psalm 910. It's a good verse to memorize. Those who know your name trust in you. Do you know God in a way that you can trust him? Those who know your name, they trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. What a great verse. So God, I feel like you've forsaken me. Hey, God, I feel like you're not here. God, I, don't, I feel like you're not hearing my prayers. That's how I feel. But I'm gonna put into practice the act of faith to trust you. And God, I'm gonna keep trusting you. And church, what this comes down to is it's an act of our will. God, I trust you. 
Even though I can't sense your presence, I know you're here because I'm going to stand on what the truth of Psalm 910 says, not the emotion that I'm feeling right now. As long as you can see what God is up to, it doesn't require trust. It's when you have to move forward and it feels like blind faith. It feels like blind faith. It's not really blind faith. It just feels that way. But so many times walking with God is like when you have a flashlight in the woods and you can only see a little bit at night in front of you. You just kind of keep going and you can see a little bit more and you just kind of keep going. If you keep going with God when it doesn't seem like God's there, that is the way that you're putting into practice trusting God and it is a key way to experience all of life worship. And God is pleased. Number five, fifth practice. Being productive. I like this one. I like all of them, but this one's fun. Being productive is all of life worship. Did you know that it matters to be productive? That God didn't create us just to sit around, be lazy. He talks about this a lot in Proverbs. Look at the ants, you sluggards. That's in the Bible. We're called sluggards, okay? So we're supposed to be productive. Productive at work, productive at home, productive at school. That God actually wants us to contribute to what's happening all around us, okay? Look at this verse. Psalm 323, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Hey, here's what we're called to do. Be productive as unto the Lord. You got a job you don't like right now? Be productive as unto the Lord. Work as you're working for the Lord. We we don't approach work the way the world approaches work. We don't cut corners or cheat on our timesheets or cheat the company or cheat the boss. No, we want to be productive. But it can also be in other areas of your life. Like maybe you, you take something that's not in good shape and you make it better. Like you, let's say you renovate a house. That's awesome. That's being productive. Let's say you plant a garden. That's awesome. You're being productive. There's this old story told uh, I heard years ago about this uh, guy who came upon someone who had a garden. And he said to his neighbor, he said, wow, you and the good Lord have done such an awesome job with this garden. And the guy said, well, I understand what you're saying, but you should have seen what it looked like when the Lord had it all to himself, okay? So we we have a part to play. Like you take something that's not good and you invest time and energy and sweat and all these things, and here's what's happening. You're being productive. And for some of you, you've never thought of that as worship. You've never thought of that as worship, but it is. When you are productive and you are contributing and you're doing it in a God-honoring way and you're doing it as unto the Lord, did you know that God receives that is worship. So be productive. Okay, students, be productive. If you're involved in something, be productive. This matters, and not only does it matter to God, it's also one of the key ways that we actually shine our light to a lost and broken world. Okay, so be productive. Number six, six, all of life worship practice, choosing an attitude of gratitude. And I know it's kind of cheesy because it rhymes, but if it rhymes, you can remember it, and it matters. You can always choose your attitude. Do you know that? That's not a choice anybody else can make for you. And every day you have the opportunity to choose. What is your attitude gonna be today? Are you gonna have an attitude of gratitude or are you gonna choose a different emotion? And it matters, church, that we make this choice. It's a practice. People who have great attitudes, it's not like they feel like having a great attitude. You know, my personality is just not wired that way. No, they're making a choice you're not making. 
Okay? It is a choice to have this type of attitude. Look at what God's Word says. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. One of the most challenging verses in the entire Bible. Give thanks in all circumstances. I mean, that's a really challenging word because it doesn't leave any wiggle room. It says all. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There are a lot of Christians who get really hung up on trying to figure out what God's will for their life is. Where am I supposed to live? Or who am I supposed to marry? What's my career supposed to be? Or all these different kind of things. And I get it. There is a little bit of a search, a little bit of discovery, a little bit of a process of seeking God and gaining discernment when it comes to all the decisions we have to make in life. But can I tell you the starting point for discerning God's will for your life? Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because our attitude of giving thanks is not dependent upon what's happening around us. We spent an entire series on that back in September. If you missed it, you can find that on our website. Stress the blessed. Hey, what's happening in my life is going to be dictated more by what's going on inside of me than the circumstances around me. And I'm going to choose an attitude of gratitude. Listen, if you're walking through a difficult season right now, we've all been there. You can still choose to be grateful. All circumstances. In fact, let me really step on your toes for a second. If God never did anything for you again, you can still have an attitude of being grateful. Our worship is not contingent upon God delivering for us right now what we're asking him to do for us. God is worthy of our worship for who he is, what he's already done, purchased our salvation, and by faith what we believe he will continue to do. So if God's not answering prayers the way you're praying or doing this or doing that, hey, we've all been there. That's a little bit of the mystery of having a relationship with God. But that doesn't dictate our worship. That doesn't dictate our attitude. We are going to be grateful in all circumstances, even when we don't feel like it. And just by simply making that decision and offering God your worship, can I tell you, that's when all of life worship starts to happen. That's a difficult practice, but it's one that matters. Number seven, seventh practice, using your gifts is all of life worship. Using your gifts. I read recently that there's really no such thing as bad gifts or bad talents, just misused gifts, just misused talents. I kind of like that. That we all have different gifts, spiritual gifts, talents, abilities, things that we're good at, things that we're not good at. And sometimes we, 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 we limit ourselves when we don't recognize that whatever it is that you're actually good at, if you're doing it as unto the Lord and if you're doing it from the right heart and you're not doing it in a way where it's all about you, it's actually a way to offer up worship. Look at this verse, kind of tucked away in First Peter about gifts. I like it, First Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received. What does that mean? Everybody's got something. You, you may not have a gift that's real noticeable. You may not have a gift that everybody like loves. It may be a gift that's a little bit more behind the scenes, but everybody's got a gift. So each of you should use whatever gift you've received to what? Serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So what are you good at? Like, what can you do? And did you know that if you find something that you're good at and it's a talent, it's a gift, it's an ability, sometimes we over-spiritualize these things. Well, anyway, I get it. I mean, like our worship team, people that can sing and play instruments, like I can see how that's using a gift to worship God. But listen, that's not the case. It says whatever the gift is. I know a student who was in our student ministry years ago, and he's just gifted to hit baseballs. It's just one of those kids from like age three. It's like, oh yeah, he hits baseballs really well and, and he can do it really well. And now he's in the minor league system and he's in his early 20s. He'll probably be, you know, playing, profe- he's already playing professional baseball. He'll probably be playing in the major leagues in the next year or two. That's a gift. 
He can hit a ball really far, okay? And you're like, how's that spiritual? Because he does it in a way where he brings honor and glory to God and he uses this ability to point other people to Jesus. It's remarkable to see when a young man is doing something like this. We were at a robotics tournament yesterday. You ever been to a robotics tournament? There's a whole lot of people there, a lot smarter than you, a lot smarter than me. And they're high school and middle school students. I'm at a robotics tournament and I have no idea how to cheer. I just don't know when something good's happening, okay? Because I'm not smart enough to figure out how's this being scored. But we've got some students and our student ministry who are there and we're there cheering them on. And my son's on the robotics team and we're cheering them on and I'm learning a whole lot about this and they are using their gifts. They can do this kind of stuff. We're probably all gonna be working for them one day, right? So anyway, we should get to know them, okay? Cheer them on. So I'm at this, they're using their gifts, their talents. The school that we go to, this is pretty cool. We walk into the school and, and we have to go into this gymnasium. And so you go to school and you're in the lobby the gymnasium. Oftentimes the school have a banner hanging up. So this school had a banner of the basketball team. They had a banner of the volleyball team. So I'd never been on this campus before because it's a little further from our house. And so I walk in and I'm looking at the banners and there's the volleyball team. And I'm like, hey, that's McKenna. She goes to our church. She's in our student ministry. And so McKenna's on the, on the volleyball banner. I'm like, that's awesome. That's a student who's using gifts. Like she can play volleyball. I don't understand a whole lot about volleyball, but she's using a gift to play volleyball. And then I come in here today and McKenna's up on the stage singing. Same McKenna, the, the young lady who's up here singing our worship team. She's a high school student because see, we believe here at Vaughn Forest that you don't have to wait till you grow up before God can use you with your gifts. So God's gifted her to sing. She's on our worship team, okay? So think about this. During the week, she spikes volleyballs, and on Sunday, she sings to the glory of God. Awesome, right? Both using gifts as worship. So what are you good at? What can you do? It's like, I, I can't spike a volleyball, and I certainly can't sing, and my kids can't do either. Okay, help them figure out what are they good at. Sometimes gifts can be just not remarkable, so, like, my gifts are not remarkable. It, it took me a long time to figure out what my gifts are um, because I don't have, like, really remarkable gifts. But I had some men of God in my kind of mid, about 15, 16, kind of started noticing these gifts and started help cultivating them. And so by the time I got into college, like, I kind of knew, okay, these are my gifts, and I guess I'm supposed to use these to, to bring glory to God. I don't know what that's going to look like. But, church, my gifts are not remarkable, and I only got two. Okay? These are my two gifts. I can read and talk. That's it. It's all God gave me. Don't laugh, it's mean. Okay, that's all God gave me, right? I can read and talk. That's it. That's really the only two things. Now, I try to be good at a lot of stuff, okay? But, but what, I can read and remember the things I read. I, I didn't realize that was actually a gift until someone told me that as a high school student. They were like, wow, you, you seem to retain a lot when you read things. I'm like, yeah. They're like, well, God may use that one day. Well, I, I read the Bible and I give and talk about it. So these aren't remarkable gifts, God gave them to me. Cool, let's go. All right, so that's what I'm saying. It doesn't have to be he hits home runs or he can build a robot or she can spike a volleyball. Like what is it that you can do and then do it? And when you put your gift into practice, it's worship. Isn't that remarkable? It's so awesome to see that God receives that as worship. Okay, number eight. Eighth practice, loving others is all of life worship. Man, this is so big because we think worship God, worship God, worship God. Part of our worship of God is actually how we love others. Look what 1 John says about this. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. To the degree that you are loving others is to the degree that you're worshiping God. Worship can't just be all about me and you, God, me and you, God, me and you, God. And I'll just be a jerk to everybody else. That's not how it works. 
the people in your life that need to be loved, God's placed you there to love them. And as you love them, that is worship. Neighbors, coworkers, classmates, students, friends, people that get on your nerves. Okay, you may be that person that gets on somebody else's nerve and they may be loving you. Their worship is growing the more they hang out with you. Ever thought about that? Okay, we gotta love people. That's what we're called to do. And so many times we just want it to be about what's happening between us and God, but see, it's not that way. And for some of you, you do this remarkably well and you really wrestle with it. You think, you know, I don't really feel like I understand this worship thing and I'm trying to grow in that. But can I encourage you? Wow, the way you love others is such a great act of worship. And maybe before today, no one's ever told you that. And you didn't recognize the way you're loving others is the way you're worshiping God. Isn't that encouraging? Okay, number nine, ninth all of life worship practice. Oh, this one's fun. Enjoying God's creation is all of life worship. I love being outside. I just love being outside. And some of you are wired the same way. Did you know that when you are enjoying God's creation, it is a way that we worship God? And, and this is encouraging because I think for sometimes we, we think, well, unless I'm singing and we want you to sing. Remember, we talked about this. If you can't sing, we still want you to sing because all of us who can't sing, if we do it together, somehow it sounds good, okay? So we want to sing, but maybe you struggle with that, but you love being in the outdoors. You love spending time in God's creation. And what I want you to see is that's actually part of worship. Look at this passage from Psalms. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all the ocean's depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. The next time you see lightning, go, wow, isn't that lightning doing his bidding? The next time you see snow, that snow is doing his bidding. This is kind of what this passage is saying, right? Verse nine, mountains and all the hills, fruit trees and all the cedars, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. That when you are out enjoying God's creation, that is an act of worship. Just marvel at God's creation. So I love being at the beach. Well, go to the beach to the glory of God, amen, right? Like, I just love the mountains. Well, go for a hike and worship God. Like, I love being outside. I just love, absolutely. And this is encouraging because sometimes we think worship happens when I'm sitting still. Worship only happens when I'm singing. Worship only happens when I'm reading. Maybe you're a little more active. You like to get on a bike and go for a ride or go for a run or go for a jog or go for a hike. And here's what I'm telling you. When you are enjoying this beautiful world that God's created, it's worship. Isn't that remarkable? And then finally, number 10, 10th all of life worship practice, surrender. Surrendering to God is all of life worship. Ultimately, this is what it comes down to, church that a surrendered life is a life that is worshiping God. Look at how Jesus says this. Pretty challenging, Luke 9, 23. Jesus said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. A surrendered life is a life where someone has decided, I'm gonna deny myself. My life is not about me. My life has been purchased on the cross of Jesus Christ. So it's not about, hey, God, can, can you bless my plans? God, can you bless this agenda? God, could you bless these goals? Hey, God, could you make this happen for me? That is not a surrendered life. A surrendered life is a life that is saying to God, hey, God, here's a blank sheet of paper. Could you fill in the details? God, I'm not asking you to bless my plans. I'm asking you to use me however you see fit. God, my life is surrendered to you. My yes is on the table. God, I, my, we've already decided that. 
So now I just need a little clarity, wisdom, guidance, discernment on what step to take right now. But as far as like whether or not I'm yours, that decision's been made. And hey, can I tell you something, church? Here's something we don't say enough in church, okay? It's the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Some of a little fun today, okay? Here's something we just don't say enough in church. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's the deal. That's the deal. Like you were purchased. Your life is no longer your own. Jesus has saved you, yes, but he's also your Lord. And we just forget that. You think, well, I'm, I'm glad I get to go to heaven now. That's awesome. Hey, hey, God, could you kind of help me work all this stuff out that I want to do? And it's like, no, that's, that's not it. The life of someone who's been born again is a surrendered life. It's a surrendered life. Is there a process? Absolutely. Does that take time? Sure. But that's part of what it means to become a disciple. It's to get to a place in your life where you say, hey, the idea of being a Christian, the best I can see, means I have to take up my cross daily and follow Jesus and live a surrendered life in every area of our lives. And to the degree we do that is to the degree that we are worshiping God. So look at your list, okay? I gave you 10. Those of you here on our campus, you've got them right there in front of you. If you're joining us online, hopefully you've been kind of filling that out digitally or electronically, however you chose to do that today. Are there two or three of these? that you could say, I'm gonna put that into practice, okay? I, I see how as I put that into practice, it will begin to improve my worship. I want to be a worshiper in all areas of my life. Are there two, are there three, maybe four that you can begin to do? And, and the goal is that you leave today putting those things into practice, becoming more of a worshiper than you were before today. So here's how we're going to wrap up today. Here's how we're wrapping up this entire series. Our worship team is going to come back out and they're going to lead us in a time of response. You may have already noticed that we've got some communion stations set up. We've been doing communion a little more frequently in this series. We've been kind of trying out some different ways of doing it. And some of you have given us some really good feedback. And this was kind of our way of getting that a little bit back into the rhythm of how we were doing that here on our campus. And so we'll be doing communion more frequently in coming uh, message series, probably not as frequently as we've been doing it in this series. And we'll be doing it different ways from one series to the next. Before today, we do have the stations down front. We have them in the middle and we have them in the back. And as a reminder, communion is for believers. Communion is for those who have been born again. Communion is for those who have committed themselves to a surrendered life through the salvation they've experienced in and through Jesus Christ. And when we receive communion, we're reminded of the price Jesus paid when he shed his blood. We're reminded of the price Jesus paid when he allowed his body to be broken. So as we respond in worship today, you're going to have the freedom to move and to receive communion. And we're going to respond in worship by singing How Great Thou Art. It's kind of the song that led us to the title of this teaching series, and I just think it's pretty hard to beat, the words of this song. And for many of us, our worship gets off because our perspective of God gets off. And so many times in life, when we are focusing on what's in front of us, it's amazing how emotionally we get off, spiritually we get off, relationally we get off. But when we fix our eyes and our gaze on God, everything else is placed in its proper perspective. So as we worship this morning, as we receive communion together this morning, as we wrap up an entire five-week focus as a church on worship, can I challenge you to focus your heart's affection on God. Would you join me as we pray together? So God, we just thank you for who you are, for what you've done, and for what by faith we believe you will continue to do. God, we want all of our life 
to be worshiped. God, help us through the power of your Holy Spirit to put these practices into practice. And that God, as we receive communion, we say thank you for willingly sending your son to the cross to pay the price for our sins so that we could be reconciled to you. God, thank you that we can worship you. And thank you that we can do that together as a church family. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.